HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American international style and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country? For more information, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Hello. Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd, not Ann Saxelby. Somehow, um, my special cheese song got lost, and we had Ann's song instead. This is a weekly cheese-centric show on heritageradionetwork.org, and this month's author interview is with Janet Fletcher, whose newest book, Cheese and Beer, we will be discussing today. Hello, Janet. Hello, Diane. How are you? I'm fine here from sunny Napa Valley. Oh, we're so jealous. It's the, the temperature's falling again in New York City. Well, what can I say? It's probably going to hit 70 here today. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, what can I say? That's torture. That's torture. Well, as most of our listeners may know, Janet Fletcher is the author of many known and essential cheese books, notably The Cheese Course and Cheese and Wine. But today we will be discussing uh, cheese and beer. Janet, you also you write for the San Francisco Chronicle, right? Is that a cheese uh, a cheese gig? Yes, it is. It's once a week. It's called the Cheese Course, and it runs in the food section on Sundays. And I've been doing it for about twelve years now. So a lot of cheeses under my belt. Oh wow! And do you feature one cheese a week? I do. That's the typical format. I profile something uh, that I haven't written about before. So these days, it's uh, often a cheese that's new in the market, a mm-hmm. new import or something new from our uh, domestic producers, or maybe just a cheese I've somehow overlooked in the past uh, dozen years. Okay, okay. So of the books I've reviewed in the past year for uh, the book, the author interview for this show, this one, Cheese and Beer, 
I think may have packed in uh, the most staggering amount of new information for me um, as someone who has just recently discovered that I even like beer. Well, that's a lovely compliment. I'm <laughs> glad to hear that. And I think, you know, a lot, I've been surprised as I've been on the road uh, promoting the book, how many people come up to me and say, cheese and beer, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. And it's just the most, um, it's the most easy pairing. It's an easier pairing mm-hmm. than cheese and wine. Yeah. Now, what made you decide to do this book on beer? Were you approached as a cheese expert or uh, are you a beer lover? What What was well, the story I, behind I the book? I am a beer lover. I, you know, I consider myself far more knowledgeable about cheese than about beer, but this was an opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I spotted a niche. Uh, craft beer is booming, as you probably know, and mm-hmm. artisan cheese is booming. Mm-hmm. And it, a woman came up to me at a book signing. I was signing copies of my book, Cheese and Wine, and she came up to me and she said that she was a home brewer, mm-hmm. and she thought there was, uh, you know, a market for a book on cheese and beer. And I thought, why, you know, what a brilliant idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course there is, and nobody had done it. So I launched on um, a wonderful journey that continues to learn more about craft beer. Mm-hmm. It's you know, like any endeavor of that sort, it really it goes on for a lifetime. You never learn it all. Right. But I know so much more just by, I would say, concentrated tasting. I know so much more than I knew three years ago about beer, and it's fascinating. I'm sure. What was your personal beer history? Well, I, I you know, I think like somebody who's been involved in, in good food and wine for you know, my whole career, mm-hmm. that I was always attuned to good beer. I never drank garbage beer. Uh-huh. <laughs> I always drank like uh, Anchor Steam, you know, mm-hmm. our, kind of our California uh, benchmark craft beer, Anchor Steam or Sierra Nevada, uh, good craft brews. But mm-hmm. I didn't experiment. Mm-hmm. I didn't branch out, and I really didn't understand all the different styles that there were. I loved IPAs, and I kept going back to IPAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the book really... Uh, forced me to, you know, led me to explore mm-hmm. the many, really limitless styles that there are in the in the beer world, and to try to classify them to help myself understand them and to help the reader understand the different styles of craft beer. Because that's for me, that's where it started understanding the styles of beer. Right. Oh, I, that would help me choose cheeses for them. Mm-hmm. Now, what was your, if I may ask, what was your favorite beer in college? Where did you start out oh, beer-wise? You know, I don't know that I was paying that much attention in college, <laughs> and I was, of course, underage. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have a, I can't really remember what I drank in college. I probably drank whatever somebody else was buying. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, you know, early on, um, I learned to love Beers that had flavor, okay. like uh, as I mentioned, you know, Anchor Steam from mm-hmm. Anchor Brewing. That's what was one of the original uh, beers to launch the craft brewing movement in this country. It's I still think it's absolutely delicious beer, mm-hmm. and uh, come back to it. But it, but there's so much more happening in the American craft beer world now. Right? Did you have initially as a cheese person? Did you have a heavy preference for wine? Well, yes, I would say I did. And one thing I noticed as I, uh, you know, was writing these columns for the Chronicle, I noticed that I was always, I always recommend a beverage at the mm-hmm. end of the, at the end of the feature. And I was always recommending wine, very rarely recommending beer. And I had to be honest with myself and say one reason I didn't 
because readers would say, how come you don't recommend more beer? And it was because I wasn't that comfortable with it. I wasn't comfortable that I had enough knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, now I would say I feel quite comfortable recommending um, beers with any cheese that's thrown at me. In fact, I, I have not yet found a cheese that I can't, find a beer right, for, and right. I would say the same thing for wine. In your column now, will you recommend both? A lot more often. You, yes, sometimes both, but quite often I'm just recommending a beer that I think is great with um, a particular cheese okay. or a couple of different styles of beer that will work with the cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just see the affinities um, it's more so obvious. more often now mm-hmm. than I did before because I understand what's out there in the, re- in the world of beer. Mm-hmm. Did you have... Um, some beer epiphanies through your research, like you yes. know, shocking uh, discoveries. You know, as I or... said, you know, I started out thinking that I was an IPA drinker. Mm-hmm. IPAs, India Pale Ales, are very hoppy. Mm-hmm. They're bitter. I have a very dry palate. I like, you know, I'm not a big dessert eater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like savory, and and so, and I like bitter things like radicchio and endive. I mm-hmm. like bitter Campari. So it's not surprising that I like bitter beers. But what did surprise me was that I came to really love some of the maltier beer styles as well, mm-hmm. like porters and stouts, mm-hmm. uh, and and the, and some of the malty Belgian beers, the doubles and the quads, mm-hmm. quadruples. They're very malty, and mm-hmm. I, I find huge affinities between these beers and a lot of um, aged cheeses. Okay, so that's one. Um, it seemed that an amazing amount of beer research must have gone on to gather the information for this book. How long did it take you? And what, well, what, was, what was your game plan in terms of approaching it? You know, anytime you bring a, a, a kind of hot topic to a publisher, they want it yesterday. Ah, so you were so in a rush? I, you know, I, I didn't have as much time. I would have liked to have had three years to work on this book. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up having a, a year. Uh-huh. And uh, I decided that I needed, because of that concentrated uh, timeline, I needed a mentor. I needed a tutor. Mm -hmm. So I found a wonderful man in San Francisco named Adam Dooley. He's a a chef, uh, but he's really a a beer chef. He uh, is a partner in two gastropubs in San Francisco. So I knew he was very knowledgeable about food and extremely knowledgeable about beer. And he took me under his wing, and I would meet with him a couple of times a week, and we would taste together. And he helped me. The main thing Adam did for me, well, he did two main things. He helped me understand how to group beers into into styles and what the appropriate style categories would be. And uh, then he introduced me to the to the benchmark beers in each, in each category. Mm-hmm. So I really got to know what a classic Saison tastes like, what mm-hmm. a classic um, Belgian triple tastes like, who the best producers are. And, you, and that's a, just a great way to shape your palate. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Start with the best. Right, right. Now, who ha- who helped you in terms of drinking? Did you also have to do your homework <laughs> on the weekend and have parties? Well, actually, my husband went along for the ride very happily. He's a winemaker, but right. that I think means uh, that he's very uh, it gives him a couple of advantages. He's really attuned to taste, right? You know, into understanding what he's tasting, and he loves anything fermented. He loves just that process of 
taking something and fermenting it into something else. That's what he does every day. So right. Beer was fascinating to him, and we taste together. Uh, we still taste together. Um, mm-hmm. we, he comes home for lunch a lot, so we'll open a beer for lunch and uh, you know and discuss it. And uh, mm-hmm. he's really kind of come along on the ride with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. One problem I had in preparing for the interview was how to drink all these types of beer with cheese quickly, and especially the larger bottles. Many micro brews only seem to come in large bottles. It's true, and uh, <laughs> that can be you know, a problem. One, I think something that's really lacking is a way to um, to, to seal them. Yeah, I mean, because some of them are not only large bottles, but they're high in alcohol. Yes. So they're too, they are definitely too much for one person. They're really beers for sharing. And um, sometimes, you know, even we don't finish a whole bottle yeah. uh, at lunch if it's mm-hmm. really high in alcohol. And, so, and we try to put it, we'll put like a champagne stopper on it. Right. And that keeps it good maybe from lunch to dinner. <laughs> right. But beyond that, it loses some, some of its fizz. Mm-hmm. And it, the, all these beer bottles are different shapes. Mm-hmm. So um, the typical uh, champagne stopper doesn't work on all of them, but it's a good thing to have one right. if you get into beer. You know, get yourself some of those champagne stoppers so that you can stop up a beer at least for a few hours until you're ready for another pour. Right, right. Now, if you were having a small party to do some beer tasting, cheese tasting, how many beers and how many cheeses would you recommend? Well, it's a little hard to say because it depends on what else is going on. Are you going to go out to dinner afterwards or, right. you know, or is this the whole evening? Mm-hmm. Um, t- I think of cheese, uh, a typical portion of any cheese is being about a half an ounce. Mm-hmm. Uh, so especially in that kind of setting where you have a lot of different cheeses. So I would figure about a half an ounce per person of each cheese. And if people are going to be sampling a lot of different beers, then maybe a two-ounce portion of each beer is mm-hmm. what I would figure, a two-ounce pour. Mm-hmm. So you would get like six pours for a 12-ounce bottle. Right. So a party for six people would be too. good. <laughs> <laughs> now, do people spit out beer like they spit out wine? I certainly do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm... Uh, you know, if I'm teaching a class and I need to kind of stay on top of my game, mm-hmm. or if we're doing um, a lot of sampling at once, mm-hmm. but or ju- judging, they right. definitely spit at judging. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, most beer is not quite as high in alcohol as wine, so you can drink it a little more. You know, with a little less caution. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. To me, I've discovered that beer seems to give you a different kind of feeling than wine. Hmm. Well, I is it the bubbles? That. Is I mean, it the alcohol bubbles? Alcohol is alcohol. When you get to the <laughs> same volume of alcohol, uh-huh. <laughs> you do have the impact. But uh, you know, a lot of people say beer makes them feel full. It makes them feel so full, right? And right. I think maybe they just drink it a little too fast. Uh, you know, it's. It's something to sip and savor. Most, a lot of beers, the high alcohol beers, are certainly not beers to guzzle. Okay. You, you drink them slowly. Mm-hmm. And you drink them with food always, and uh, and just have respect for that alcohol. And uh, I think you'll be fine. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with Janet Fletcher discussing cheese and beer after the break. This is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd. Thank you. 
You're listening to Piece of Your Pie by Snowmine on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Today's program was brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 160 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Hi, we're back with Janet Fletcher on Cutting the Curd, discussing cheese and beer. I'm Diane Stemple. Janet, I was wondering, um, as a total beer novice, I'm asking, are the categories you use in the book, which are 18 ale categories and five lager categories, are they always used? Or are they set in stone? Good question. Uh, there. For purposes of judging beer in competitions, there are recognized categories mm-hmm. that the industry uses, uh, and there are many more than the ones I feature in the book. There's something like, I don't know, 100 <laughs> categories that uh, might be used in, in competitions. Okay. But these days, a lot of the brewers, especially the American brewers, love to do things that are not in any category, they like to kind of push mm-hmm. the envelope right. and make something that hasn't been made before. So mm-hmm. they do a lot of, I would say, hybridization. They might make a like a black IPA, for example. That's not really a, a official category in, in judging competitions, but mm-hmm. they exist, these black IPAs. Um, so the lines are getting blurred more as people experiment, but still the classic categories are... Um, the, the acknowledged ones that I use in my book and and several more uh, that are less common. What I, I chose, the, as you say, 23 that I think are the most, um, Frequently know, the, the most used? common ones that okay. people will find okay. in a store. But it's, it's like in cheese where sometimes different people divide things up differently. Beer could be divided up differently also. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a good analogy. I mean, just yesterday I had a, a blue cheddar. <laughs> I mean, you don't see too many blue cheddars, but a, a mm-hmm. cheddar maker decided he wanted to try getting some blue mold into his cheddar, and he's done that. That's mm-hmm. um, Dumbarton Blue from Wisconsin. Right. But it's a little, I think it's a little harder to innovate and experiment with cheese mm-hmm. than it is with beer. Okay. Beer is a little more freewheeling and a okay. little more um, forgiving from a science perspective of your of your science experiments than cheese is. Okay. I mean, with cheese you can you can uh, kill somebody. <laughs> oh, okay, beer it's less likely. You don't kill people with beer, right? <laughs> How did you decide which to use? How did you narrow it down to twenty three? Were there some well, that you felt I, bad about leaving out? Adam really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
understand which were the most common categories and the ones and just looking at what's available in places like Whole Foods that have great beer selections uh, I you know just got to have a sense of what the most common categories are and uh, but I could easily have doubled it mm-hmm. you know. mm-hmm. Maybe or or you a, can write on um, the next book, <laughs> right? Did <laughs> that's you my right? Did you favor a bit? It, it seemed from the names um, reading them. Did you favor a bit the West Coast microbreweries because they were more accessible, or did you try to get the whole country in? Well, I definitely tried to get the whole world in. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, there are definitely a lot of imported beers mentioned as well in the book and mm-hmm. featured in the book. Uh, if if it seems to you to have more of a West Coast slant, it's probably because those were the beers that are most available to me Right, living on the West Coast. But, you know, the cool thing about beer is that it is still quite regional. Craft mm-hmm. beers uh, often don't leave their their region. Mm-hmm. So it's a fun opportunity for people to, you know, support their local brewers and uh, get to know what's available in their area. Uh, it should... You know, for example, in a category like um, amber ales, mm-hmm. uh, there are great ones made all over the country. And uh, if I mentioned West Coast ones in my book, it's just because those what are the ones drank. that are most available to me. Mm-hmm. But they're made all they're made all over the country. Mm-hmm. Are there regional beer differences? As I mean, not just where they're from, but taste wise. Oh. Probably. I'm trying to think of, of some. You know, I think, for example, the Midwest has more of a Germanic tradition. Mm-hmm. Just because they have more... From their history from and the, from... The immigrant tradition. Right, so you probably right. are going to see more Pilsners and, you know, Bavarian-style beers mm-hmm. in uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, for sure, than you're going to see in California, where we don't have a large um, German immigrant population. Mm-hmm. Now, can you talk a little bit about the differences between European and American beers, and if it's similar to differences in cheese? Well, I think it's actually that's a good question. I think it's the similarity. Well, to back up a second, I think what I, what I would say about European beers is that they tend to be a little more classic. They're mm-hmm. not as experimental minded. Okay. They're so not more traditional, but. They're much more rooted in tradition, and this is the beer that my grandfather, you know, made. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're not putting lemongrass in their beers right. and, uh, you know, wild and crazy things like a lot of the American brewers are doing. That's changing a bit, but mm-hmm. I think we can still count on the European beers to be more classically styled okay. and less kind of wild and crazy. Okay. And th- and I would say that's true of cheeses too because they have such a long cheese tradition. They're not as inclined to aim for something new and original right. as they are to make a really good conte, a really good tome de savoie, mm-hmm. uh, like their parents and grandparents did. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but and that's a particular, too. you know, as you know, we see a lot of new cheeses coming in from Europe as well. And a particular region in Europe might stick to a similar cheese or a similar beer over and over again, where in America it's it's less uh, connected. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And you find um, in the Pyrenees in France, they make 
basically one type of sheep's milk cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little variation, but uh, the emphasis is not on newness and creation and originality. It's on just perf- it's on just you know, passing on a recipe that's pretty much perfected already. Right, Whereas right. here, because it's so new, both our cheese making and our um, craft brewing is so new, there's uh, a lot of playing around going on. Mm-hmm. And that's all to the good. And it, I think it will settle down somewhat mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. people figure out what they do well and what consumers like. Mm-hmm. Um, brewers will narrow down um, their styles probably. Right. And there can be some bad experiments flavor-wise. Beer wise. There can. Yeah, I'm not in I you know, I don't particularly care for cheese with a lot of herbs and spices mm-hmm. in it. And I don't care for beers that have a lot of wacky right. spices in it. Mm-hmm. There's a now there is a long tradition, um, in Belgium especially of seasoning beers with spices, with coriander and clove and mm-hmm. um, uh, orange peel. And uh, those are very appealing beers. They're very subtle, typically. Uh, and when American brewers do the same thing and keep it subtle, those beers are delicious. But mm-hmm. when you start to, the first thing you notice is the kaffir lime leaf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to me, it's, it's gone a little too far. It can be heavy-handed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the concept of marriage or the pairing of beer and cheese or wine and cheese, how is the thinking different, the deciding... Uh, what goes what goes with what? Is it different with beer and cheese versus wine and cheese? Well, what's similar is that you're looking usually for either complementary uh, flavors and textures mm-hmm. or contrasts. Okay, and those are the that's where the pleasure is, and I would say that's true with wine as well. Okay, but with beer, you're playing with different factors. You have carbonation. Mm-hmm. You, you have hops, mm-hmm. uh, the bitterness of hops, and the aroma of hops. And you have malt, which mm-hmm. has a huge range of flavors, but it can be anywhere from kind of a biscuity toast to butterscotch mm-hmm. or coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, those are uh, the flavors that I play with in beer. Uh, mm-hmm. you, using malt in the malty beers is a complement to cheeses that also have sort of buttery and nutty notes. Mm-hmm. And the hops, when I have a beer that's super hoppy, uh, like IPA styles, I think tangy cheeses are a really nice compliment. Tangy cheddars, mm-hmm. tangy goat cheeses. Mm-hmm. They just love that um, acidity of uh, that comes from hops. Mm-hmm. So you're saying you think beer has more variables, more more taste variables to match up. I would say that's true. There's mm-hmm. a bigger range of flavors. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's there are more ingredients mm-hmm. than there are. That's true. That's so, true. You know, wine is just grapes and yeast, really. It seemed to me in reading the book that um, there were many cheese recommendations for every style of beer. And would you say that's because beer is more friendly to cheese than wine? Well, I I definitely think that's true, that beer is is an easier match for cheese. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, with a single beer, oh, let's take... um, you know, a Saison, for example, that's one of my favorite styles. It's a Belgian style, S A I S O N. But a lot of American producers are making Saisons now, and they're very versatile with cheese. So a lot of different kinds of cheeses can go with Saisons. Um, they're very balanced beers. They're kind of medium, medium alcohol. They're 
they have wonderful fruity, yeasty notes. Mm-hmm. They're not too malty, not too hoppy, but there's obvious um, elements of both. So they go with a wide range of cheeses. I particularly like them with bloomy rind cheeses, like mm-hmm. Brie and, mm-hmm. and Camembert style. And that, that for when I first read that, it just it it's mentally rubbed me the wrong way. Though when I tried it, it was fine. It just seemed beer and bloomy rind in my brain didn't match. Oh, well, sometimes your brain, you know, takes you <laughs> in the right direction, and sometimes you're surprised. Right, you know, right, Sometimes, right. theoretically, you think, that's not going to work, and then you, you give it a try, and it does. Uh, you know, the, if you think of saisons as, I think of them almost cider-like, oh, because okay. they can be quite fruity. Mm-hmm. So I think of them almost like apple cider, mm-hmm. and there's no better match, really, than cider and camembert. That's a classic uh, French-Normandy right. match. Right. So having a, a saison with a camembert is equivalent for me, in a sense, mm-hmm. to having a, you know, a cider with a camembert. Now, for some other beer novices, what would you say two or three of the most easy-to-find saison beers are in America? Oh, well, one of my favorites would be... Um, the Brasserie DuPont, mm-hmm. D-U-P-O-N-T. They make just, I would say, a benchmark um, saison. Mm-hmm. And where are they and, from? And um, I love the an, another one that's probably available widely across the country is from North Coast. Uh, they're here in California, North Coast Brewing. They make a saison called Le Merle, mm-hmm. M-E-R-L-E. Mm-hmm. That is just one of my go-to beers. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Omagong in New York. Oh, um, okay. Uh, Cooperstown, Omagong Hennepin. Oh, okay, I've had that. The fabulous Saison. Um, there's a fellow in, I think he's in Virginia, but he calls himself a gypsy brewer in the sense that he doesn't have his own place and he goes around to other people's mm-hmm. breweries and makes his beer. And his brand is called Stillwater. Um, he's got a cult following, and every Saison, I, he specializes in Saisons, and every Saison I've had from Stillwater I've really enjoyed. Mm. So that's one to look for. Okay, great. Now, what do you think about the two industries, the artisanal cheese industry and the microbrewing industry? Are they, how do they compare? Are they both at a similar point in their development? Uh, do you find similarities? Yes, I do find similarities in that uh, it's, they're both full, both industries are full of, passionate people mm-hmm. who um, often started from scratch. They mm-hmm. have, are not inheriting a business. They're starting a business they're, because they're passionate about the product. I think uh, there should be a lot more working together because there's so many opportunities to cross-promote between mm-hmm. specialty cheese and specialty craft brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, they are just are a natural uh, match, and I'd love to see the two industries working closer together to mm-hmm. promote each other's products. That's a great idea, uh-huh. because a lot yeah. of cheesemakers love drinking beer. <laughs> they do, and vice versa. I've never, um, I really have never met a brewery who didn't like cheese. <laughs> okay. So, well, that's they, a great idea. A natural match, a natural match there, and uh, they both have a lot to gain from promoting their products together. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time, as I knew we would. I have a lot more questions maybe we can talk about next time we run across each other. I want to thank Janet Fletcher, who uh, is the author of Cheese and Beer, and thanks very much for coming on the show. 
Thank you, Diane. It's been fun. Okay, and this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd at heritageradionetwork.org. It's podcast on iTunes, and I want to thank my engineer, Evan DeVito. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Sachs. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.